You're listening to Remote Possibilities, a podcast on the intersection of technology, society, and education, brought to you by MarketScale. Now here's your host, Kevin Hogan. Okay, hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Remote Possibilities, the podcast that explores the promise and the perils of distance learning. I'm your host, Kevin Hogan, and I'm glad you found us. With me today is Gary Von Meer, CEO and co-founder of Tech Defenders, a Grand Rapids, Michigan-based information technology asset disposition, that's a lot to say, uh, and electronics recycling and repair company. Founded in 2015, Tech Defenders is focused on the remarketing and reuse of refurbished devices like laptops, tablets, and phones and currently processes about 45,000 laptops and tablets per month. The company was just ranked 657th on the 2020 Inc. 5,000 fastest growing companies list. The most notable service of Tech Defenders is their device buyback program. That business model involves purchasing used mobile devices to then repair and refurbish and thoroughly wipe all the sensitive data from them. Once those devices are in a sellable state, they are sold to retailers around the world. Tech Defenders works with organizations that have large fleets of mobile devices, such as school districts, hospitals, and other businesses. In 2019 alone, the company says it kept 496 tons of electronic scrap from ending up in landfills. That's a lot of stuff, Gary. Yeah, that is a lot of stuff. (laughs) Thank you for having me on, Kevin. I mean, that was probably the best intro I've ever heard for us, I think. That was fantastic. All right. right. (laughs) You know I practiced all night on it. I know you did. Well, thanks uh, thanks for joining us. Um, Really interested in the topic. I'm finding that um, because of the pandemic, that the idea of refurbishing uh, equipment uh, specifically for schools uh, has become uh, top of mind for many, many school districts and their their tech directors when everything started to go uh, wobbly in March, uh, right before the spring breaks, they were all kind of making executive decisions on, on what to do with the stuff. Um, one-to-one programs that never before would send stuff home, all of a sudden got put in the kids' backpacks. Talk a little bit about... Um, your program and specifically maybe with the use of schools and and, and how the pandemic uh, maybe changed that or accelerated it. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's changed our, uh, you know, our main buyback program um, quite a bit, especially just because schools, uh, you know, you know, early on um, they, you know, tech directors weren't always going in or, you know, tech departments, uh, you know, weren't fully staffed or they were just, or they were just dealing with so many, you know, different uh, issues and different change that they just didn't have time to, you know, gather any extra technology that they may have. But it's pretty unlikely that they might e- they they would even have any devices, um, extra devices. So we've ran into uh, quite a few challenges really uh, finding um, any dev- any extra devices um, coming out of school districts, um, and so. It's uh, really changed our business quite a bit, and so we're we're getting most of our devices outside of K twelve um, right now. Uh, kind of like you mentioned in the introduction, whether it's hospitals or larger businesses, or you know some some schools that may have planned uh, quite a bit in advance for their refresh and already had their new devices on the way several months ago. So really. Um it's kind of a flip then um there's probably more districts reaching out to you to get stuff than where you could actually get stuff from them huh 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's been like this, uh, kind of like you said, since, say, end of March. Uh, we had a huge, huge flip of schools reaching out to us for refurbished devices um, and very little looking to sell. I mean, it, and it's like, a, I would say, probably a 20 or 30 to 1 ratio of looking to buy from us versus looking to, to sell to us. And, uh, you know, that's normally it's almost the complete opposite uh, opposite of that. Uh, and so, and then there was a second huge rush, very similar to that. Um, you know, I would say really starting, uh, back in August and still carrying me forward uh, through till right now. So huge amount of schools, almost every day schools, or, you know, many of our, uh, other VAR partners and, and anybody else in the spaces are, are reaching out to us for whatever we have left in stock. Right. Talk a little bit about the history of the company and, you know, when you when you go out uh, on the hunt uh, for used stuff, is that something that is uh, a surprise to a lot of people? Or, I mean, at this point in time, are we comfortable or used to that idea of recycling and refurbishing electronics? Uh, it's still mixed. I think there's still still some people that are surprised, but when they hear about it, it makes sense to them. They just hadn't thought about it before. I think we've you know, really over the years as a society just turn into a, you know, a kind of a dispose and buy new type of society um, in general. And, and electronics were that way for a while where you would just, you know, recycle your old cell phone or your old um, desktop or laptop that you had had. And it didn't really, it didn't get a second use, you know, hopefully it was responsible in a, or recycled in a responsible uh, manner, I should say. Um, but, uh, you know, people didn't think about another person using it. Um, and usually I have to tell people too, is say, Hey, you know, it's not always that we're selling these devices here in the, in the U S um, most of our devices are sold in the U S still, especially right now with a shortage. But, um, when we have surplus uh, of devices, a lot of times they're going throughout the world, um, into other countries that, you know, a five-year-old iPad is still, you know, like a really great device um, in certain areas, you know, third world countries or other, you know, developing, developing areas. And so these devices have, uh, you know, still a great use in, in countries where um, they just don't, they can't afford, you know, new technology. So, um, yeah, so it, it is still a bit of a surprise to people. Um, but I think the more and more uh, companies like us get out there and our industry is a, you know, very big um, industry and it's growing very rapidly. Uh, you know, IT asset disposition, ITAD for short, um, it's growing probably seven to 10% every year, just as more and more uh, technology gets sold throughout the world. And um, a good amount of it, uh, you know, really is being pushed on the reuse side, which is which is what our whole business model is. Right. Yeah. At, at, uh, the danger of, of dating myself here, uh, having covered technology for a long time, the race was always to get a new laptop every other year almost right i mean and that was kind of the sell was that because of uh, moore's law and because of the uh, rapidly increasing processing power of devices like desktops and laptops that in order to keep pace you needed to to buy a new one but now now that we're in the world of the cloud right especially with schools and if they're working on systems you really don't need to do that upgrade do you no, you you really don't, and I mean, obviously, technology really for laptops hasn't been advancing very fast. Like you said, I mean, it's slowed down quite a bit. Um, I mean, maybe they're a little bit 
little bit lighter or the battery is a little bit better or especially in education they've gotten a little bit more durable especially chromebooks um since they first came out but um yeah you really don't you know need much more than a device that connects to the internet and uh has a keyboard and, and so there really isn't much of a difference um you know between a three or four year old chromebook and a in a brand new chromebook and in, in speaking with a number of districts, I've uh, noticed the trend of almost kind of like a trickle-down device that maybe the, uh, the high schools um, had a one-to-one -one program, but they didn't have one for the middle school. Or even more likely, it's the, uh, the elementary schools uh, and the elementary grades were the ones really kind of left um, looking at their hands saying, you know, where's my device? And so what they did was they... They would put the order for the new stuff for the older kids and then refurb the stuff and, and bring it to the younger kids. Is that is that something that you've seen as well? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think that's uh, that's something we've seen quite a bit of. I think the only challenge with that model is there's only a certain amount of time that you can use these devices. So we are seeing some schools holding on to them for six, seven, eight years. And at that point, they do get to be pretty expensive as far as the maintenance goes. Um, and so too long becomes um, a, a little bit of an issue. Um, but yes, that's uh, definitely a common trend. And it makes makes a lot of sense, especially when you have a shortage of new technology or a shortage of funds. Any other um, kind of innovative strategies uh, come out of this pandemic? Have you seen, and it doesn't have to even be schools, but other businesses on how they've changed their strategies in terms of device management uh, with this this massive shift to remote working and learning? Oh, any other strategies? Um, I don't No, I don't, I don't think so. I, I mean, I have seen um, and heard of other schools helping um, each other out quite a bit um, during this time. I mean, I, I have seen a lot of that, especially in, in the same city or certain districts really sharing, sharing technology um, with one another. Um, so I think that that, um, that has been good. I mean, there's a lot of sharing of devices amongst, uh, you know, the same household as well. Um, but besides that, I haven't really seen um, any other strategies now. Gotcha. But and that leads into another conversation about uh, digital equity. Certainly, a, a an important uh, aspect of all this. Uh, it's it's almost embarrassing, really, that in in 2020, everyone has come to the realization that every student should have not only a device, but access to the internet to, to use that device. Um, talk a little bit about your thoughts on, on, on the digital uh, equity aspect of all this and how your company can uh, help with that. Right. Yeah. And I, I appreciate uh, you bringing that up is I just don't think it's talked about nearly enough. Uh, I don't think, I don't think uh, people understand that there's still a huge, you know, digital divide uh, in our school systems, um, you know, just, you know, one, one fact, and this is reported by, uh, Ed Weeks, uh, research center, um, uh, in schools, um, where 25% or less of students are uh, from low income families, um, 96% uh, of high school students have one-to-one, -one, one device per, per every student. So, um, if you flip the script though, and take a look at, uh, families that have 75 or schools that have 75% or more of students from low income, only 45% of high schools have one-to-one. -one. So, so 96% uh, 
um, where there's 25% or less um, from low-income families, but only 45% where there's 75% um, or more that from low-income families. So it's just, there's a huge gap there. And that's just at the high school level. It, it's a very similar trend, uh, you know, similar spot at middle school and elementary schools, but the high school level is, is really where there's the biggest gap. And that's just with um, a device. Um, you know, there's there's also the you know the aspect of really having the ability to connect to the internet, and you'd be you'd be surprised um, how many uh, kids still don't have um, internet at home um, here in the U.S. And kids are having to go over to other friends' houses, or they're having to go. Just saw an article last week where some some kids had to go to I think it was a, a Taco Bell to use their internet unfortunately to be able to to learn you know it's just it's it's uh, it's amazing and so this is just um unfortunately this pandemic has really helped uh, exaggerate and create a further divide whether it, when it comes to education of our of our children and so low income families just aren't you know able to have the technology that they need to to learn at the same rate um as higher income families and so it's going to cause further ripples um, down the line, unfortunately, especially as the longer the longer and longer this uh, pandemic goes. When it was only a month or two, you know, at the end of last year, um, you know, maybe that was tolerable, but now we're starting off this year again where so many schools are remote and there's so many of the lower income families that just don't have um, the device that they, the devices that they need and the internet connection that they need for their, for their kids to learn properly. Yeah, absolutely. And what, one thing I, uh, my mind was blown with, but it's it's true. I mean, it's it's not only the students, but the faculty. Uh, there are some faculty that were headed into the parking lots of uh, their local library or, or or the school itself just to 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 work. Um, and that's crazy. I mean, there's so many years we've talked and wrung our hands about the the concept of digital equity, and this has just brought it all into stark relief. Um, and maybe uh, it will spur. Uh, some activity you already see it you know there's several through the cares act um lots of money going out for uh for devices uh, many of the telcos have begun to talk about having uh, actual kind of universal uh coverage um but we'll see we'll see how how long that lasts yeah yeah hopefully this will be a you know, kind of a wake up call and realization that there is a there is a huge divide and we need to do something about it. And like you said, um, CARES Act is and quite a few other organizations um, have stepped up to help um, to help with this as well. And so I think we're we're starting to improve, but uh, I think it's going to be a, uh, you know, several years of, of process to really help help bridge that gap. Talk a little bit um, about districts maintaining uh, their current fleet of devices. Um, Should they come to someone like you to help refresh them? I mean, how important is it enough for them to do it on their own? Talk a little bit about um, those strategies of maintenance. Yeah, absolutely. When we first got started working with schools, um, which was really all the way back in uh, 2012, actually, um, a lot of people don't realize, but iPads were actually the uh, best-selling device in education for a number of years, um, and they don't realize it because Chromebooks have been so popular and really owned about 60% of the market here for the last 
uh, you know, three or four years at this point. But um, iPads uh, were a little bit difficult to repair, um, you know, a little bit more difficult to repair than a Chromebook, which is much uh, more easy and, and modular to open and screws to get into the device. And there's, you know, 17, 18 main components. And it's, it's fairly easy um, for somebody to, to work on that device. And so early on with iPads, they, they weren't, um, it, it really wasn't uh, feasible for a school, for a, you know, a tech department, a school to do their own repair works. And so they almost always had to use a, a third party uh, company like us, whether it's, you know, paying as they go for the repairs as the devices break down or buying some sort of warranty plan or selling it into a, or sending it into a depot if you're buying the OEM uh, warranty. Uh, but over time it's, uh, you know, and I think there's, this has been a, uh, actually a big selling point for Chromebooks is they are pretty easy to repair. And so it's created a really good opportunity for schools to uh, fix their own, um, their own devices. I think, um, you know, if the school has the, the resources, uh, mostly, you know, the, the time um, to fix the devices. I do think a self-maintenance uh, plan uh, makes a lot of sense. But when when you get to a spot where, you know, your IT department just doesn't have the time and, and resources, I think looking at using somebody like us for overflow work um, makes a lot of sense. Or maybe for the difficult repairs where they're doing the really light repairs like key replacements in-house and then you know, maybe it's screens and motherboards and other type of repairs that are a little bit more involved that they would send into, you know, a depot like us. But it all just depends on the school's budget, their resources, um, and, um, you know, if, if they have the resources internally to do it. I do think it, it makes a lot of sense for Chromebooks. Um, I think iPads really still make a lot of sense for uh, to, to use a third-party company for. Right. Uh, can you talk a little bit about the ITAD industry? Uh, is it still in its infancy? Do you see it scaling? Um, talk a little bit about um, where you see your company going and the industry in general going uh, into the future. Yeah, it, it's still um, it is still um, in its infancy. Um, it is a market, though, that is valued in the billions of dollars. I think the last figure um, I saw was, um, I want to say uh, globally, it was a around $13 billion in 2018. And then it is growing at around 8% um, per year globally. There's a lot more growth in uh, the other developing countries as they continue to deploy technology at a faster rate than uh, the U.S. or Europe, for example. But um, it's the growing it's a growing uh, market for sure. I mean, if you, and, and I think this uh, pandemic is only going to um, help accelerate that growth. I mean, we, we need a technology for so much more than we ever did before. I mean, just talking about education here and distance learning, but uh, the amount of companies that are still, you know, working remotely um, and will continue to work remotely um, has gone up exponentially. And then, um, you know, anybody trying to communicate with loved ones, especially if you're trying to, you know, uh, communicate to grandparents or anybody with medical conditions. And um, uh, so, you, you know, you're just using technology more and more. So, uh, you know, with the amount of technology sales that are happening, it's only going to uh, further the growth in, in the industry. And, uh, you know, people are just uh, more environmentally aware and wanting to be responsible with their, their devices too, which um, is going to continue the, uh, to fuel the growth. And then if you add on top of that, data security and the importance of um, destroying data. You have just have so many factors that are pointing into um, continuing to, uh, you know, help grow this, 
this industry. And um, when you look at the disposal of of technology, I mean, there's there's the recycling, which is really just you know for the most part uh, harvesting the you know the precious metals that are in these devices. Or there's the other reuse side of it. And um, I think there's going to be growth in both areas, but uh, most of the growth will will uh, certainly be on on the reuse side. So we feel uh, you know we feel really strongly about the uh, IT asset disposition um, industry and uh, especially in in education. But I think it's going to be a, a growing market uh, for businesses in all, pretty much all other areas as well. And it certainly uh, seems to be uh, when there's an industry motivation, uh, it kind of takes away the you know the, the the green industry kind of crunchy granola aspect of it where it's just like you know yes it is a good thing to do to 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 help the planet and to help us but there's also a uh, there's also a, a a motivation there to um, be successful financially right 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 absolutely i think people are realizing and and really what our you know our biggest um differentiator is versus the, the industry is that we really help schools recover more money for their devices. We found so many schools have been just um, really giving away their technology to a, a local recycler. They, they didn't understand that there was value in a four-year-old or five-year-old Chromebook. I mean, they probably do now seeing that there's such a big demand, but a, a couple of years ago, it was it was shocking that there's so many schools that are still just, you know, bringing it to a local, a local e-waste company um, they were just happy that the e-waste company was picking it up from them. But now we're able to go in and say, you know, those four-year-old or five-year-old Chromebooks, they're worth $40 each as long as they're in decent shape or $30 each, depending on how old they are. And so um, schools are able to take that money and put it right back into their budget, whether they're using it for maintenance or more devices or cases or some other type of use. I mean, it's really um, it's really helping uh, schools uh, be much more cost effective. And they've been doing it with Apple products. because I think a lot of people understand that Apple devices, especially with how much they cost, have a good value, good refurbished value. But uh, Chromebooks, um, people didn't didn't really realize. And so, yeah, I think uh, it, it just it makes financial sense, uh, makes um, environmental sense um as well it's a it's a, a win-win-win situation it is it is yeah well gary thank you so much for your time uh your work is uh really interesting and i think uh will be uh inspiring for our listeners uh to rethink the way they think about those chromebooks yeah absolutely thank you so much for having me on and thanks to you the listener for tuning in to remote possibilities i hope you click around and find another episode soon i'm kevin hogan